This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to the Hindu's In Focus podcast with me Amit Barua your host for this episode. Rahul Gandhi was disqualified as a member of parliament from Wayanad constituency in Kerala on the 24th of March. a day after a surat court convicted him on criminal defamation charges in sab ke naam in sab choron ke naam modi 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 kaise hain nirav modi nirav modi narendra modi aur abhi thoda dhoondenge to aur aur bahut sare modi niklenge gandhi was sentenced to a maximum 2 year jail term the decision sent shock waves through the country's polity a 2 year jail term in a criminal case means that a legislator is automatically disqualified on conviction it would appear that the only relief available to a disqualified legislator is if a superior court not only suspends the sentence but stays the conviction so what of the surat court judgment can somebody be convicted merely if he called all persons with the modi surname thieves doesn't defamation have to be specific to the aggrieved person did the lok sabha secretary general act in haste by issuing disqualification orders to rahul gandhi the very next day to discuss these issues i have with me raju ramachandran who is a senior advocate at the supreme court of india welcome to the in focus podcast mr ramachandran thank you amit good to be on the hindu podcast again mr ramachandran why has rahul gandhi been disqualified as a member of the lok sabha this disqualification operates as a matter of law under section 8 of the representation of people's act because he has been convicted and sentenced for 2 years that 2 years is the crucial point at which the disqualification law sets in and because this magistrate has convicted him for defamation and has chosen to impose this maximum sentence when it could have just been fined and it could have been a, an imprisonment a sentence of imprisonment for any period starting from one day to 10 days to one month to two months but he has chosen to impose what i think is a draconian sentence of two years and the law neatly then kicks in <laughs> right so what do you think of the surat judgment itself mr ramachandra at the outset uh, amit in spite of best efforts one hasn't been able to get the judgment isn't i found that strange Gu- isn't that strange in itself it was in gujarati and uh, what is available is only a google translation which is indecipherable and so one can only speculate but obviously the magistrate seems to have held that that statement in question was defamatory of people bearing that surname and so he has chosen to impose uh, to convict him and impose the sentence uh, mr ramachandran before we come to the points of law involved i just like to go into the role of the lok sabha secretary general do you think that the secretary general was hasty in issuing an order to disqualify rahul gandhi the very next day absolutely he acted post haste and contrast this with what has happened in the case of the lakshadweep mp mohammad fazal who was convicted the conviction was stayed and 
the Supreme Court refused to interfere with the stay of conviction, which was granted by the Kerala High Court. And the Secretary General has not yet found it fit to issue a notification reinstating him. So, obviously, the Secretary General is acting whimsically and arbitrarily. And before I move on to Mr. Fazal's issue and a couple of other legislators of whom about whom we know, uh, what is your sense? I mean, uh, Mr. P.D.T. Achari, who is a former Secretary General of the Lok Sabha, has written in the Hindu that actually the power to disqualify does not vest in the Secretary General, but actually vests with the President of India. What is your view on this? I agree completely with Mr. Achari. Article 102 is clear when it says that where a question arises as to disqualification, it shall be decided by the President. The constitution gives no power at all to the Secretary General of the Lok Sabha to disqualify someone. That power vests with the President. The law may say disqualification takes effect. But someone has to disqualify based on that law. And that authority under the constitution is the President, not the Secretary General of the Lok Sabha. So do you think this could also come under challenge? Now that this issue is in uh, such focus? Yes. Once it reaches the superior courts, definitely. I mean, when uh, Rahul Gandhi files an appeal before the Sessions Court against the conviction, this constitutional question may not come up with regard to disqualification. But when it reaches the higher courts, it would definitely come up. And, and what is your sense, Mr. Ramachandran? You've been a lawyer. You've been an additional solicitor general uh, of India. I mean, isn't it strange that a case involving, uh, you know, a major le leader of the opposition, a former president of the Congress party, and all that we have are a few snatches of what you say is a Google translation of the Gujarati judgment? No, it's unusual. On the one hand, we say that judgments must be accessible. On the other hand, here we are struggling four or five days after the judgment to get a copy. This is really unusual. Forget about his being a prominent leader. In the case of anyone, surely the judgment should be available in translated form to enable that person to file an appeal. Because even if it's in a language which he understands, to file an appeal, he'll be consulting lawyers who may or may not understand the language. And so while judgments in regional languages are good as an idea, simultaneously, they should be available at least in Hindi, if not in English. Uh, Mr. Ramajan, you referred uh, briefly to the case of Mr. Mohammad Fazal, uh, you know, the MP from Lakshadweep, uh, whose uh, conviction was stayed by the uh, Kerala High Court. So, what is your sense? Is there a parallel possible between Rahul Gandhi's case and Mr. Fazal's case? Yes, I think the parallel is obvious because the alacrity in one case, in disqualifying, and the laxity in the other, in rescinding the notification of disqualification, both in cases of persons belonging to a leading opposition party, the pattern is obvious. Mr. Ramachandran, we also have, uh, you know, in November uh, 2022, a BJP MLA from Uttar Pradesh, Vikram Saini, who was disqualified, but his disqualification order was issued nearly a month after a court sentenced him to a two-year term in the Muzaffar Nagar riots case. That's right. And again, in February 23, 
समाजवादी पार्टी एम अब्दुल्ला आजम खान सन ऑफ प्रोमिनेंट लीडर आजम खान वॉज डिस्कालीफाइड फ्रॉम द यूज पी असेंबली टू डेज आफ्टर ही वॉज सेंटेंस टू अ टू ईयर जेल टर्म सो डैक ऑफ डबल स्टैंडर्ड एब्सोलूटली ऑन द फेस ऑफ इट एंड डबल स्टैंडर्ड्स अगेंस्ट एन ऑपोजिशन पार्टी देयर इट वॉज इन अ स्टेट हियर इट्स इन द सेंटर from all what we see and the evidence that is before us it would appear that the ruling party at the center and where it's in power in the states is interpreting the law or using the law or using sometimes uh, uh, you know processes that allow it to uh, penalize uh, leaders of opposition parties uh, you know who are who are possibly making an impact so what is your sense how does you know our system protect itself against all this how does the system present itself as fair to everybody um amit that's a difficult question to answer the system will become fair only when authorities who are in charge act fairly because political parties whether it is the bjp in the present situation it could be the congress tomorrow they would always use the law for partisan purposes and therefore we have to rely on the sense of fairness and impartiality of people like the secretary general of the lok sabha to be rational and fair and to be demonstrate demonstrably uh, showing fairness Uh, and mr ramachandran just few days ago we were talking on the hindus in focus podcast about how uh, you know the power to appoint election commissioners and the chief election commissioner has now been given to a three member panel and while that process was the court was literally hearing uh, the, the matter a, a particular individual was elect, uh, appointed as election commissioner so that's right in this kind of scenario do we see a pattern where the ruling party at the center the bharatiya janata party is trying to take control of all the reins of state power in a manner which it believes might help its uh, fortunes electorally i think that would be a legitimate um, conclusion to draw from what we have seen happening uh, mr ramachandran before i let you go what i i wanted to ask you what you think of the criminal defamation law itself uh in an article in the mint newspaper you took a different view from most other people most other liberals saying that this criminal defamation law has no place in a modern democracy so could you you know enlighten our listeners what your view on this actually is yes i'll reiterate my view that the criminal law of defamation is something which we need to retain let's not look at it only from the point of view of either journalists or politicians because these uh, things come into sharp focus only in cases like the case of rahul gandhi well, if it's a wrong judgment it will be reversed as it should be in this case but that is no reason why the law should be changed the possibility of abuse is no ground for saying that a particular law should not be in existence now going by that logic for instance the logic of misuse then you shouldn't have the rape law because the rape rape law is often misused you shouldn't have this ordinary section 420 of the ipc cheating 
because so often in the case of purely civil disputes the one business uh, one party to a business transaction chooses to file a section 420 complaint against the other person now drawing from this what i want to point out is that even you look at section 499 of the ipc which embodies the criminal law of defamation it's a carefully and elaborately worded section with examples and as many as 10 exceptions so it is not correct to say that anyone can be roped in anyone can be convicted for defamation and ha uh, going back to where i started let's not look at it only from the point of view of journalists or politicians let's take the case of women the ordinary working woman who as she advances in her career is subject to innuendo she is often slut shamed what is her remedy to file us an expensive civil suit for defamation paying heavy court fees or would the law of defamation criminal law of defamation be the appropriate remedy for her that i think is the test the test of how it affects a common citizen not how it affects journalists or politicians and what would you say to a former minister taking a journalist to a court on defamation charges uh, you know the case i am talking about Uh, uh taking priya ramani to uh, you know a court on criminal defamation charges what is your yes. sense of that you know how does the law operate at that place, at that time isn't this a misuse in a sense of the law by powerful person on the other hand see the result of course she was dragged to court but that complaint was dismissed isn't it and so the law of defamation the criminal law of defamation also when properly applied can't be misused the minister could not misuse the law against priya ramani she may have had to appear in court but ultimately when a conscientious judge applied the law the complaint was found to be without merit so what what you're trying to say is that this law in your view is uh, it should be retained and just because um, you know judges interpret it in a certain way on a certain occasion doesn't mean the law shouldn't be there is is that the burden of your argument that's the burden of my argument and of course there's ample scope for the superior courts to impose procedural safeguards to make sure that frivolous complaints don't proceed that is within the jurisdiction of the superior courts after all for instance even in the case of the law of sedition the supreme court laid down way back in the 50s that there has to be an element of incitement to violence similarly the courts can lay down safeguards before i let you go mr ramachandran and you've been really kind to talk to us uh, twice in quick succession what do you think lies ahead uh, for rahul gandhi uh, he i assume will be filing an appeal and i also guess that the reason for this delay in filing the appeal is because the judgment is still being translated he needs to not only get the sentence suspended but the conviction stayed and if he fails before the session court he has to go to the high court and if he fails before the high court he has to come 
to the Supreme Court. That is as far as legal recourse is concerned in the matter of disqualification. And the political road ahead, of course, is not something which I am competent to comment upon. Which I didn't ask you about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's Mr. Right. Ramachandran, thank you again for talking to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you. My pleasure. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.